We're going to get started, so go ahead and take your seats. I'm, uh, I'm just going to hop right in and read our scripture for the evening. Uh, and then Hattie will be coming up to take it away. These are students here. Uh, I'll be reading today from John 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Thanks, Jay. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> nice to see you all. Good evening, good evening. I'm Hattie, um, and I'm the student pastor here, if you don't know that. Um, and it's great to be with you this evening, and we are going to be continuing, as Josh said, um, this series of uh, the I Am Statements of Jesus, looking at the, um, his character and what he says about himself. So we've already, over the five weeks, been looking at I Am the Bread, I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, and I am the resurrection and the life. So today we're going to be looking deeper into the next statement, I am the vine, as very well read by Joe there. So let me just ask you this question as we start now. How do you feel about culture at the moment? As you're sat here and maybe watching us online, just take a moment to think about it. Does culture feel stable? How easy is it for you to navigate? How does it feel to, to follow Jesus in a culture like ours? John Mark Comer is an American pastor and has put language to the challenge of following Jesus while navigating culture at this time. In his most recent book, Live No Lies, he says this, all I want to do is name the felt experience of following Jesus in our cultural moment. And I just can't find a better metaphor. It feels like a war for the soul. We feel this constant conflict, not just out there in culture or in our digital newsfeed, but inside the fabric of our minds and bodies. A kind of inner tug of war that is emotionally exhausting and spiritually depleting. A tearing at the fabric of our souls. Our soul's peace. Why do I feel so tired, worn down, not in body but in mind? Why do I feel so battered and bruised? Why does every day feel like a battle just to stay faithful, to keep following Jesus? Here's an idea. Maybe because it is. In a culture where everything is fighting for our attention, 
Maybe you can relate to John Mark Homer's metaphor that following Jesus in our cultural moment feels like a war for the soul. So today we're going to look at two main themes, the instability of today's culture and then the stability of Jesus. Or in other words, why we need a vine and how we remain in it. In September, I started a two-year applied theology course in student ministry, and the current culture, uh, the current module we're studying is church and student culture. We've been looking at culture more widely and the importance of understanding the times we live in and how that impacts how we engage with the Christian faith, or if we know Jesus, how it impacts our discipleship. There is a term that we learn in this module called cultural liquefaction. I had to ask some of our geography students to explain this to me more, but essentially liquefaction is loose, waterlogged ground that loses its strength and structure in response to pressure, namely earthquakes. Anything that therefore is built on top of this land is unstable, with shaky foundations often resulting in the structure coming crashing down. So cultural liquefaction is therefore the idea that culture is liquefying. It's shifting and changing so rapidly that it's becoming unstable ground to build our lives on. The shifting landscapes now of gender, sexuality, globalization are changing so rapidly. It brings confusion, anxiety, and unstable foundations to build our lives upon. And the impact it has on us as individuals and as a society, is scary. We live in a society now of hyper-individualism. John Stuart Mill, one of the most influential thinkers in English philosophy, said of humankind, over himself, over his own body and mind, the individual is sovereign. We are more private and self-reliant than ever before. And it's rare to do life in the communities we were brought up in. There is a general narrative in the millennial worldview that you might relate to. Anything that restricts me from following my dreams or living my truth is oppressive. There's a general distrust in leadership at a global and national level, especially when we feel people have let us down. But then also closer to home, people we thought we could trust let us down, and we end up feeling alone and confused. The technological advancements are terrifying too and the impact that it's having on the anatomy of our brains and how we function as human beings. I was reading the other day about the metaverse, an alternative universe whereby we exist in the virtual world in which people live, work, shop, interact with others, but all from the comfort of their own homes in the physical world. And the scary thing is, it doesn't seem like an alien concept right now. Where, where we're heading, it doesn't seem like an alien concept to live in a metaverse. Gen Z, so if you're born in 1995 to the present day, have been labeled the connected generation, where they are more connected than ever before with access around the world, 24-7, 365. But at the same time, they're the most concerning reports of poor mental health, depression, anxiety, self-harm, fear, and isolation. And we see it all around us. I work alongside students all week. I'm so aware of the challenges that you guys are facing if you're a student. I'm aware that you guys went into lockdown at 15, 16 years old. 
and then went through that whole time and now coming out as 18-year-olds and thrust into university and all the challenges that you face with that. But I'm also aware that no one is exempt from mental health challenges, no matter your age. No one is exempt from feeling, feelings of lowness and isolation, and no one is exempt from anxiety. It is, in one sense, part of being human. But I wonder if you can't help thinking, is all this change and development and globalization good for us and for our future generations? I think about my two-year-old niece, Olive Wilde. What are the truths that she is being fed and taught by society? I, um, I got to spend a bit of time with her yesterday. It was her birthday last Sunday. Um, she turned two. And um, she had a party, but I um, couldn't go because I was here at church. So I said to my brother, can I take her out for lunch yesterday? So me and my cousin, Scarly, we took her out. And we went to Cheltenham, which is where I was born. And Cheltenham is quite middle class, um, but it's, you know, it's twinkly and nice. It's a nice place to take your little niece. And um, I asked her, I said, Olive, we're going... We're going to go shopping for your birthday. Um, what would you like? She said this. She was like, candles. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then I said, what else would you like? She said, a boat. I was like, <laughs> legend. That's my girl asking for a boat at two years old. So off we went um, on this shopping trip to find her some candles and a boat. And um, she was wearing this really cute little outfit that she's got. So she had like a fluffy little... Um, white fur jacket and she had a matching little fluffy hat on with bear ears and she looked like a little polar bear walking along and I was like dying um, and we went into we ended up in Vinegar Hill for those of you who don't know again quite middle class <laughs> if you want to spend like 30 quid on a two-year-old go to Vinegar Hill <laughs> so we were in there and um, they have this little bath section at the back so she found a little submarine boat that you can put in the bath and um, got her an advent candle and she was stood at the till with these two little things. And then this little kid came up to her. And um, I didn't really know about children, but they looked about the same age. They were the same height. And um, she, Olive's just there with her submarine and her advent candle and in her little cute outfit. And this kid just went, ha, ha, and, and laughed at her. And I was with Scarly, my cousin. She's like six foot, and she was like ready to go. At this. <laughs> she was ready to go at this little girl. I thought I was going to have to hold her back, like you and me outside. And I was like, okay, keep your cool. She's just experienced like harassment. And um, <laughs> he said to her, I was like, Olive, just wave goodbye to the nice girl. Wave goodbye. And then we like picked her up and put her on the counter. And we were like, you're okay. She's just jealous of your lovely outfit. Um, we dropped her back. At my brother's house, and I was like, we need to debrief. She has experienced the society. Um, she's already been ridiculed and laughed at for her outfit choice at the age of two. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> but we were having this chat. I was having this chat with my brother and my sister-in-law. And um, we were talking about, you know, what, what we're fed as, like, little kids. As a two-year-old, what she's fed and the lies that she might be fed by society. We were talking about schooling and and um, homeschooling came up. And we were talking about whether that would be better. Would, would, would they be able to control what she was being taught and by who? Would it even control it? Would she just eventually learn everything they might try and shelter her from, from the internet anyway? And I really feel for anyone that has influence over this generation, trying to navigate culture so that our, the younger generation grow up emotionally stable, resilient, kind, healthy, happy, and keeping them from frying their brains by the age of 17 
that seems hard, if not impossible, especially whilst we're all also trying to navigate your own journey through cultural shifts and protect your own heart and mind. Culture is shifting more rapidly than ever before. Navigating it is hard, confusing, exhausting, and anxiety-provoking. Culture is also becoming increasingly unstable, and building our lives on it, again, is hard. It's hard to figure out how to follow Jesus in these crazy times. It's hard to figure out what Jesus would say. It's hard to figure out if the Bible even speaks to some of the major issues we're wrestling with in our culture. So that is a brief overview of the instability of our current culture, which brings us on to the need for stability. So let's dig a bit deeper into this passage and the truth that we can draw from what Jesus says in John 15. I'm just going to read verse 5 again. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In a cultural moment of oppression by the Roman Empire, where Jesus has revealed himself as the Messiah, Messiah to save the world, but is hours away from being rested and crucified. These are the words he speaks to his disciples. His disciples are just about to be propelled into establishing the early church and spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth, experiencing all the pressures and resistance of the culture. And Jesus says to them, I am the vine. Remain in me. If you're apart from me, you can do nothing. So a vine provides two main things, stability and nourishment. It provides stability and strength for the branch to grow from it and in the right direction. But it also provides nourishment. As the branches remain connected to the vine, they stay healthy and bear fruit. So we're going to look at these two things, stability and nourishment. So stability. We've already established that the cultural moment we're living in is unstable, and so we need stability and firm foundations. And there is no firmer foundation than the truth that is the Word of God. We have to build our lives on this. A few verses later on from our text, Jesus prays for his disciples before he's arrested. In John 17, he says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What Jesus means by sanctification or sanctify is just to be set apart or made holy. We're called to be set apart from the cultural trends, not slaves to them. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And the way we do this is by building our lives on the truth that is in the word of God. In Matthew 7, Jesus tells a story about two types of people building their house, houses, and it's profound for us 2,000 years later as we wrestle with building our houses on firm foundation. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them in, puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. For everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. 
as the storms of culture come at us, if we don't have our foundations on the rock, if we don't put the words of Jesus into practice, everything falls apart. I was laughing with some friends um, earlier in this week. We were talking about all the weird stuff that we did when we were younger. <laughs> um, I grew up in um, one of four, and my sister always had these really wacky ideas of stuff that we would do. And um, my, my dad was a carpenter, and um, we always grew up in a bit of a building site because they would always buy a house and then do it up and then sell it. Um, so one of, the, one of the houses we lived in, my parents knocked down some um, middle walls to build, like, create a big open plan space. But we basically ended up with a massive pile of bricks in our back garden. And like, forget FIFA 23 and like, virtual reality. We had a pile of bricks. Like, it was epic. And so my sister had this idea. She was like, we're going to build a house. And so we were like, yeah, great idea. Let's go for it. So the four of us, we, we started building this house. And it was probably about half the size of this stage. And um, we had this big pile of bricks. And every day we'd come back from school and we'd make up cement, cement with like mud and water in a bucket. And we would like lay the bricks like you do with Lego and, and build this house. And we had it all like laid out like where our little kitchen would be. And our bedrooms, we even had a toilet that they knocked down from the, from the real house. So we were, we were building this house and we invited our friends over and we were like, guys, we're building a house in the back garden, like come and join us. So like all of our friends would come back from school building this house. And um, we, my mom ended up vetoing it when it got to like the size of my like youngest brother, like if that wall, and, and as you put a brick on, the wall would just shake like this. And he was like running around like a little toddler, probably about three years old. And my mom was like, no more. We're, we're not building this house anymore. But it was funny. When we came to knock it down, my dad just kicked it and it just all fell down. <laughs> and, and the point is that we, when we build our house and we don't have any foundations, I mean, we just built it literally on the grass. There was no foundation, so it was so easy to knock over when we put the bricks of life on, when we're building our house and we have no foundations, it's like shaky. You put the brick of going to university and everyone around you is doing drugs or drinking and it, you don't have any foundations, it's shaky. Your, your girlfriend breaks up with you and it's shaky. You get a health diagnosis, your parents get divorced, a loved one dies, we have a global pandemic, we're in a cost of living crisis. These bricks of life that we put on, if we don't have any firm foundations, they just get, our, our houses are shaky. And I think for me, the most unstable time of my life was when I was at uni. It's part of the reason why I feel so strongly about university students now. Because I didn't have any foundations. I, I had the foundations of like a loving family who would speak life into me, but I didn't read my Bible. I didn't have like my foundations in Jesus. And so I really was like putting these bricks on, trying to build my life, trying to build my house. And like it was shaky foundations. And I was so unstable. I wouldn't say that I was necessarily like unhappy, but I wasn't like happy. I was just like tossed around by this and that, doing this, drinking, sleeping around, just like tossed around by life. And I really felt like a wave. And um, in, in James chapter 1, it talks, about, it talks about being a wave. It talks about doubt. And it says, the one who, is, who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And that is how I felt, tossed around by different types of teaching, what society tells me, what the world tells me, and I was unstable. 
So if you relate to me, feeling like a wave being tossed around by this or that of what culture tells us to be, tells us to watch, tells us to wear, do, or listen, can I encourage you to read your Bible? Absorb as much of it as possible. One of my um, old youth pastors, um, I was on his like youth team, and um, I remember he went off to vicar school to train, and his last ever thing that he did with the youth, he got everyone to um, have a little piece of paper, he got everyone to write the word on it, and then he was like, right, scrunch it up and now eat it. And I was like, this is very strange. It's like loads of little young people were like chewing these bits of paper. But I remember it, what sort of like five, ten years later, that eat the word, eat the word. I remember that. And I wish that I had uh, when I was at uni. And this isn't to make anyone feel guilty or rubbish. I'm just saying that culture feeds us a lot of lies, but the truth is in the word of God. So if we want stability, we need to spend time in it. But that is through revelation of the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we can understand what God has freely given us. These truths we express to you are not human thoughts, figured out in the mind or or taught by man's human wisdom. They are God's word taught from within your heart by the Holy Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. So it's the Holy Spirit that brings revelation and understanding of God's word. So in a minute, when we respond to this, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. So if reading your Bible is an area that you struggle with, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes and helps us with this. But Corrie ten Boom was a Dutch Christian His family helped save 800 Jews in the Second World War by hiding them in safe houses. All 10 members of her family were then captured and killed in Nazi concentration camps. She says this of the Bible, I have experienced his presence in the deepest, darkest hell that man can create. I have tested the promises of the Bible, and believe me, you can count on them. Corrie ten Boom echoes the words in 1 Peter 1. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Jesus is stability because he is unchanging. His word endures forever. We have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have to build our lives on the rock. His word is the rock. So the vine produces stability, and secondly, it produces nourishment. Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Imagine a branch right now that was cut off and is just on this stage next to me. It wouldn't suddenly produce fruit without being connected to the nourishment from the vine. If it was just there, it would just die. It would just wither and die. And as Jesus says, we are the branches. So if we are cut off from him, if we we wither and fail to produce fruit, we need the nourishment of the vine. So how do we remain in him to receive his nourishment? When we're talking about remaining in, or another word, abiding in Jesus, 
we're essentially talking about discipleship or following the ways of Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, we do the things to build our relationship with him and keep us connected to him as our life source. We spend time with him. We build intimacy. We build friendship with him. We pray, read the Bible, meditate on his word, put it into practice, spend time in nature, spend time in silence and solitude, Sabbath, teaching, worship, fasting, praying for healing. But as I was praying about this and praying about what is the thing that will make us remain in the vine, I really want to focus on one in particular for us, especially as we try and navigate life as a follower of Jesus in our culture. And that is community. As I said earlier, we live in a culture of hyper-individualism. There's a temptation to think that it's easier to do life on my own. There is less potential to be hurt or rejected. I can be true to myself and what the way I think I should do life. There's less accountability. And maybe you think that there is less potential for your actions to affect other people. Which might be true. But Jesus had a radically different idea to the culture of hyper-individualism. And that is family. Jesus came to create a family. He brought people of all backgrounds and all walks of life together, of all colors and races, all classes and ages. When culture feels chaotic and scary, the intimacy that comes through rich community is so life-giving and nourishing for us. It may be easy to drift along the cultural currents of today, But community calls us to a place where we look at each other, we shoulder each other's burdens, we pray for each other, and encourage each other to build our lives on the rock, staying connected to the vine. John Tyson is the pastor of Church of the City in New York, and he wrote a book called Beautiful Resistance, The Joy of Conviction in a Culture of Compromise. As a church, we studied through it last year, but if you missed it or you've maybe joined us since, then I really recommend this book to you as it lays out the ways that as followers of Jesus, we can resist the negative we see in culture today. John Tyson said in his book, discipleship must be stronger than cultural formation. Loyalty must be stronger than compromise. This must be stronger than that. The times call for a beautiful resistance. Rich community is a resistance to a culture of individualism and separation from the vine. So if you haven't already signed up, I encourage you to sign up to a hub or to a home. If you're a student, come to the student hub. These happen on Tuesday nights, so make Tuesday a priority in your week. If you're a parent here, then come to Little Nick's, our toddler group, on a Monday morning. We hear such encouraging stories in our staff meetings about Little Nick's. It sounds epic. The place to be on a Monday morning. If you're an international student, come to our international student gatherings. If you're a climber or a footballer, join with our interest groups. <laughs> if you're new to church, we've got the Hello event happening after church right now. Come along. Invest in community. Invite each other over for food. We just had host a roast a few weeks ago. And um, it was epic. It was epic. And I, I heard so many good stories. Students want to do it every weekend. <laughs> they love it. 
And one encouragement to you, I think this is a lie that I believed. Uh, one encouragement to you, you don't, don't wait to be invited over by the person that you want to um, have supper with. Invite them over first. Invite them over the first. Take the lead. So invest in community as a way to encourage each other to stay connected to the vine. So Jesus is the vine. He is our stability through the shifting landscapes of culture. And he is the nourishment for our souls. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So the worship team are going to come up now. And um, we're going to pray and respond to this. So why don't we stand And I'm going to pray for us. Why don't you close your eyes, if that's helpful for you. Yeah, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the truth that you are the vine. I thank you for these statements that we can hold on to, that we can build our lives on. I thank you that you are the bread I thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you are the light in the darkness, that you are the resurrection and the life, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that you are the vine. I thank you, Jesus, that we can build our life on your word and help us to do that, Jesus. Whatever um, our personal situation looks like, whatever culture to us looks like, whatever the challenges are for us personally, Will you speak your truth into our situations right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you for your word. And I pray that you empower us and encourage us to build our life on that. And Jesus, I also pray that um, St. Nick's is a place of rich community. It's a place where we see each other, that we know each other, that we build relationship with each other, we encourage each other. Thank you for all the life that we see in this church. Thank you for the community that is already in place. And we just, we ask for more, we pray for more. And I pray for anyone right now that, that is struggling in community. Jesus, will you place people around them? So, Father, bless us this evening as we build our life on your rock. The stability of you and the nourishment from you that is the true vine. Amen.